Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. You know, we we scroll through the Rolodex to find out who do we want to bring on who is just amazing at doing this. We call it the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio on Fridays. Who is among our heaviest hitters, our best guests for this kind of stuff, and always somehow floating to the top of that list is our guest tonight, Annette Hom from CHCH Morning Live, who joins us. Annette, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Scott? I am doing well. You must be doing really well now. Unchained from the shackles of Bob Cow and free to spread your wings <laughs> and be a, the star I, you are. I'm so sad that I missed his <laughs> going away thing. I, I, I saw it. I recorded it while I was away on vacation, and, uh, and it looked like it was great fun. I, I kid, of course. You and Bob were very close. I joke about that, but it is, uh, it is different times in your world these days. Different, but I mean, Tim and I, who uh, Tim is, is uh, Tim Bullen is Bob's uh, permanent replacement. Tim and I have worked together for a long time, and uh, and it's great to be with him on the on the desk. Yo, no, t- Tim is great. Brings a little youthfulness, you know. But, but Bob was youthful, but the gray hair, you know, the gray hair sort of, you know, made it. It sort of hit it. Tim now comes in with the. How do you describe Tim's hair? I'm not sure how it, it's. It's a. It's a. He got a fade. It, say that again. <laughs> he got a fade. He got it cut. No, did he? Because I'm just looking yeah. at the top and I'm thinking, you know, it, 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 it it's alive. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, compared to me, anyone's hair is alive, quite honestly. So, I, I mean, maybe it's just jealousy bursting through. But uh, oh, believe but, me, in, in television, we don't like talking about gray hair. These days? Yeah, I suppose yeah, your not. your hair I, is your hair. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's... Um, that's an interesting one, though. I mean, I know you sort of say that as half tongue-in-cheek, but is that a serious thing? Do you, do you, do you and I wasn't going to get this serious until we get going into stuff today, but honestly, do, is that something that as a woman working in television that you worry about now? No. I wouldn't think. Not at all. I wouldn't think, but, you know, it, it, it became quite a story this summer. It did. It did, yes. But I, um, yeah, my hair is my hair and it does not affect what I do. Yeah, as long, you know, as I said before, as long as you've got hair, you know, the whole, the whole, although, let me say this. Oh, my Annette, husband uh, Daniel is with you. <laughs> well, and I was going to say that your husband and I should be celebrating today. You know what today is? No. Today is National Be Bald and Be Free Day. <laughs> I, I kid you not. you guys save like doing your hair and getting it cut and yeah lucky you it's it's there there are advantages i mean the disadvantages are obvious um if someone's sitting behind you they can see their reflection um rain (laughs) you don't slow down the rain it goes right directly into your eyes that kind of thing but yes the the benefits of not having to go get it cut saving money saving time shower i mean you still put shampoo or something on your head but yeah it's it's not oh, having the to money make that it. we save on shampoo yeah it's it, it is a it is a cost saver now my wife and daughter more than make up for whatever i save <laughs> so you you have to clear the house of women in order to really rec- realize the cost savings but nonetheless your, your point is well taken but yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It was amazing to me what happened this summer with that story that it became the story it did. And I know, and maybe more to your experience, I know that you know we we hear about hair being an issue. We hear about how someone dresses on TV. That people have lots to say about either your hairstyle or what you're wearing or whatever else. I mean, it's it, it never goes away, right? Yeah, and it's it's never that way for for men, right? They could wear whatever they want. That's fine, but. And, and and sadly, most of that, most of those comments come from other women, which really discourages me. So first thing, I would say I, I agree with you 99% on the men thing, although I bet you that if we ran a test, we could push the limit and find that spot where they would say something about what someone was wearing. <laughs> I bet we could find, we could do a test. We'll get Tim one morning Tim to see if we could put him in an outfit. That, I bet. We'll keep changing the outfit until we start getting comments. What is the, you know, if he wore one little like, change a day, one little change exactly a day. until he gets to the Borat bathing suit and then the calls start oh, coming no, in. No, 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 no. I have to sit beside him behind the desk. No, no, no. 
<laughs> okay, that may be one step too far, but but yeah, it's uh, it is, and and it is amazing to me that you know the natural reaction when you say these things is. Oh, you know, guys are pigs. Guys are calling in and guys are pigs talking about it. But I've heard this before that it's often women who are the ones making the comments, which I do find weird. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and it's so funny. So when, um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was coming back from vacation, sitting on the train and, uh, and I was sitting near two women who were looking at a magazine and, and they were talking about um, a media personality in the States. And, and talking about, oh, like, when is she done? And yeah, I don't like her anymore. And it's, it, she's getting, you know, she's getting too old. And she's, and I, I had to really sit there and bite my tongue. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and then I'm thinking, oh, when I get complaints, I, I, I'm going to think about these two women on the train now. But that's where it comes from. Here's the beauty of it. In all likelihood, you will never see them again. And they do not matter. And, and yeah, you know what? Right. That's... That's uh, that's the best way to look at it. Brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio this Friday evening, joined by Annette Holm, the co-host, and now the well, the I was going to say the star. I mean, Tim is like the co-star now with the new new show in the on CHCH. So you know, Tim's got to work. Annette gets the main thing on the masthead, and he gets the with. Tim no, Bowen. no, no, no. We've always we've always been equals. Bob and I were equals. Tim and I are equals. All right, you're really working hard at pumping up Tim. See, I'm I'm trying to make you the star of stars here. The the <laughs> the leading. Him. We're far, we're the farm kids taking over. <laughs> yeah, that's right. See, I, I had you as the leading star in the CHCH galaxy, but you're you're making me have to pull it back a little and make it all equal. All right, uh, we were talking about interestingly some issues around women in the media before we went to the break. I wanted to ask you about this. So. We have an election coming up in a little over a week now. A week from Monday will be the municipal election. One of our mayoral candidates in the city is, of course, Andrea Horvath, a woman. We've never had a woman as a mayor in this city, and that has led to a number of discussions, including a piece that was in The Spectator today. And the and it talks about change and things like that. Let me read the last two paragraphs. While Loomis, Keenan Loomis, the writer is talking about, is calling for change, he's also been clear about the primary primary constituency he's served since his arrival in Hamilton. I was the voice of business. Nothing wrong with that, the writer says, but it brings to mind the very first mayor of Hamilton, Colin Ferry, was also a leader in the city's then Chamber of Commerce. That's not much of a change, is it? After 175 years of men at the helm, a real change would be voting in a woman, a daughter of this city, a seasoned leader, someone who will listen to the many voices of her constituents. I want to ask you this. I am not going to make the case. This is not a case about who is qualified to be mayor or not. We can talk about that one in a second. But should, do you believe someone should vote for someone, whether it was for provincial, for federal, or for municipal as a councillor or as mayor, because they are a woman? No. Why? You, you vote in the person for their qualities, for what they represent, for what you agree with. I mean, it, I think it would be fabulous if we have many, many, many more women in, uh, in, in municipal politics, provincial, federal. But, but to vote for a woman just because she's a woman, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. See, it's interesting, and I wanted to ask you, and I've saved this question. Now, it worked out perfectly because this piece happened to be in the paper the day that you were coming on, but I haven't talked about this before because if it's a guy who says this, we sound like a sexist pig for saying, no, I wouldn't do this. Now, it's gotten, and and to me, as I said, I want to clarify, it's not, this is not a question of who is qualified or anything else. It's, should your ballot be cast because, And, and I think, Annette, I think we could, extend this question further and say, should you vote for someone because they are, pick whatever you want, gender, race, religion, whatever, or, and, and I, I, I find that a very difficult thing to say yes to because of the very answer that you just gave. That sounds to mm-hmm. me now, patronizing. I think if, if you have, say you're deciding between two candidates and, you know, each is equal, then yes, I would, I would tend okay. to vote for the woman. As a decider, sure. As a deciding, yeah, as a, as a, a breaking decider. the tie, uh, sure. But we do that with all kinds of other qualities or things that we would look at with that candidate. 
Mm-hmm. So this is so just I'm another sure one of the things. Have you asked any male guests this question? Say that again? Have you asked any of your male no. guests this question? No, and I saved it for you because, as I say, I think oh, if we just ask a, a guy... Who represents all. No. Well, no, but I think <laughs> if I just ask a guy, people say, well, you're just asking another guy, and of course you're going to say no, or of course you're going to say yes because whatever. So... It, it to, to me, your voice, your your answer on this one is an interesting one to me. And again, I don't have any problem with someone saying just what you did as the deciding. If I've, you know, I just, I really can't decide between two people. I kind of like them both. So therefore, I think, sure, I, I would do that. That I, I, I think is fine. That I think is fine. I, I'm looking at this as, is this the only reason, and I'm not even necessarily just talking about Andrea Horvath, although she's up for mayor right now. If this is the only reason, to me, that sounds patronizing. It does. Like you're, like you're not otherwise qualified. So we're just going to go with the, the woman thing. That, that, that sounds patronizing to me. But I wonder too, on the flip side of this, are there people out there that would go, oh, I am not voting for a woman. I absolutely believe there would. And I would think that answer would be, or that response would be equally ridiculous as, mm-hmm. as, as it's, as it's only, you know, as the only thing, if you like the male candidate, fine. Look at the issues, look at the issues, yes. look at the platforms, look at where they stand, look at what they've done, look at what they've said. I, I, yeah, I, I look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you on this one that this is not, and, and I, again, I want to clarify, this is not a don't vote for Andrea Horvath screed no. at all. That's not what we're talking about here. Uh, there are people who are going to be listening, who are saying, I want to vote for Andrea Horvath because I believe she's the most qualified and look, she's a, she, she's a woman who's worked in politics for how many years now? You can't argue that she hasn't done this job to see not, not as mayor. She's a person who's worked in politics. You should clarify that. Sure. Oh, oh, wait. She's a woman who's worked in politics. She's worked in politics. She's worked in politics. I mean, I said a woman because that's what we're talking about here. But yes, that is, mm-hmm. sure. She's she's a person who's worked in politics. And so, you know, I mean, look, you can make the argument, well, I don't want anybody who's been in politics. I want a clean slate of everybody who's clear of any political baggage. Okay. Or you can turn to experience and say, well, I, you know, I think she's got lots of experience and therefore I don't care. I just, as I say, to, to me, these discussions, um, they always become a little problematic when anyone chooses any of things for the, as you say, for the same reason, if someone said, I'll only vote for a white guy, mm-hmm. that, that to me is equally as ludicrous, honestly, just doesn't make any sense. And, 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 and you know, I think we can especially when you have people who have done work like this, who have worked in politics, who have a resume, I think you can look at that resume and it doesn't have to be just, oh, what's, what are her chromosomes say? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, this might even be a more difficult question. And I just thought, I'm thinking of this as I'm talking, this might even be a more difficult question if she was someone who was brand new to politics, who had no background because then it, it uh, i don't know if that makes it easier or harder i mean i don't know if these days if having no resume is better than having a resume honestly in the eyes of people um because you know politics creates a little bit of anger we're going to talk about that one next but mm-hmm. um yeah i i don't know anger I, I, on social I, media oh is there anything better <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're going to be talking about that one yeah in a second but um I, i'd love to hear we're, we're going to get to that we're going to take a break i'd love to hear from people my email or my yeah my email radley r-a-d-l-e-y radley at 900 chml.com let me know is it is it is it a is it okay not okay of course it's okay you have your freedom to vote for who you want would you endorse the idea of voting for someone simply because they are a woman or a man or this color or that is that something that is a good way to vote to create change or not i i as i say i i find it I, I find it a little bit patronizing. I think you need to look beyond just that. And there are people who are qualified beyond that. And it shouldn't be a discounter either to me. But anyway, let me know. Radley at 900chml.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on this one. I am always amazed, and I know I shouldn't be at this point. I should be numbed to this and well past the point of being surprised by anything. But 
we seem to be at a time now where if my person, whoever that is, doesn't win, the other person is going to absolutely ruin our society. There is no hope for any of us. Everything is downhill and society or our city or whatever else, as we know it, is ruined. It's the the level of anger and spite and fury and rage and everything else. It, it just, it seems to be higher than ever. How, how did we get here? Well, you know, it's, it's social media and, and, you know, you can sit there and on your phone or, or on your laptop and, and, and just spout whatever you want. Right. So it's, it's just, and people feed on that and feed on that. So I, I've actually been avoiding a number of social media sites during this municipal campaign because it was very clear from even before, like many months before that there were sides being taken. And oh, yeah. it's just, okay, I got to clear my mind of this and just listen to the candidates, see what happens and judge for myself. And of course, you know, because I work in news, we're, you know, non-biased and, and can't have anything, you know, I can't post anything myself and I wouldn't want to anyways. But it's, it's like, yeah, just staying away from social media for, for that reason. But it's... Sites. Yeah, but it, it, it's one thing to take a position and say, look, I really I really want candidate X to win. I really think candidate X is the best candidate to be councillor, mayor, school board, trustee, whatever else. But it seems that the, the argument has flipped. We're not even lobbying for our candidate so much it's anymore. It's against the other people. It's just saying how rotten, horrible, evil, mean, despicable, incompetent what you pick whatever else that other person would be and how they will ruin everything and this city will be just a disaster if person x becomes mayor and mm -hmm. it's 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 there's just so much of it it's unbelievable how much there is out there do you remember the good old days when we didn't have um you know the attack ads and and i'm thinking now you know we don't have them for municipal so much on on television or radio but we have them for provincial politics we have them for for federal politics but do you remember long 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 ago before that was a thing where uh you know an ad would just be here's what the candidate is going to do or here's what the candidate wants to do instead of here's what the opponent said and, and, and it's very much, you know, we, we went to that American style of attack ads. And, and I think it's just, it's spilled over into municipal politics as well. Uh, you know, one, uh, one example, and look, everyone can find their own, because I know this is not the only one. One very famous one that I think of when you talk about that is um, Ronald Reagan had an ad about the, 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 what was it? It's morning again in America. And look, whether you liked Ronald Reagan or didn't like Ronald Reagan, that's not the point. It was, it became a very famous ad, but it's, it was that it was, it was a positive uplifting message. You might've hated Ronald Reagan, but the fact was it was okay. We're not, I'm not just sitting here just like taking shots at Jimmy Carter or something with an attack ad. It, it was, I, as I say, I, I I'm with you. I I'm just amazed that we have reached the point where if you do pay any attention to social media now you can only come to the conclusion that there are wide swaths of this city that if candidate A, B, or C gets elected, not only are they going to be ungovernable because they hate this person so much, but that this city is literally, we may as well just, you know, take some napalm and wipe it off the face of the earth because it's going to be so horrible that it's really not even worth keeping. Yes, as my grandmother used to say, we'll go to hell in a handbasket. Uh-huh. <laughs> And, and there's no, there's no nuance to it. There's no, and look, and, and I'm not even talking about someone who might be a raging racist who's running or something like, I'm talking about the mainstream main candidates, right? I, I, we're not talking about a fringe candidate. I'm talking about the main candidates that all of the three that are the main candidates for mayor in this city right now, if you go on social media, all of them are going to directly lead to the imminent downfall of Hamilton. Period. I, I find that a little hard to believe, but that seems to be the consensus. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to get through the clutter, right? Of, 
of, okay, I, I, I get it. You know, I, I get that you're not a supporter of that person, but tell me what the person that, the person that you do support, tell me what good they would bring or what changes they would do. That's what and, I want to hear. And you've, I mean, you have, you said you've, you've been ignoring social media, but you know, social media, what happens when you would say that on social media? Mm-hmm. You then become the new target and they will scream yeah. at you and call you all the names because you didn't support their position, whatever they and who and them are. Mm-hmm. I, I, as I say, I, I, I know I shouldn't be surprised anymore. I know I shouldn't be so naive to think that maybe this wouldn't be the case because heaven knows we've been through this enough with enough elections here, there and everywhere, but it, it still surprises me. It still does that it's so nasty all the time. That's why I, I find it refreshing when a campaign comes out and, and I mean, uh, you know, they all kind of start nice <laughs> and then it gets so nasty. <laughs> but I find it refreshing when it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're not slamming, you know, maybe the incumbent or, or, or the party that's, that's in there now, but here's, here's what we're going to do. And then not because this is what's been done in the past is wrong, but here's how we're going to change things. Here's how, here's how we're going to make things better. But if we've taken this position before the election has even started, mm-hmm. then if person, if person X wins, our city is going right to crap. Yeah. When that person wins, how do you then spin and say, you know what? I will try to see if this person, no, you've, it's predetermined. It's predecided. Anything that person does for the entirety of their time in office is wrong and garbage and doesn't matter what happens, that is the foregone conclusion to start with. And we keep saying, we keep having all these people saying, I want a a council with more decorum. I don't want this circus on council. And yet the people on the outside doing social media are feeding the circus more than any councillor ever does. They're feeding the animals. (laughs) More than any councillor really almost ever does. You've got people who are saying, I don't want this, and they're doing the exact thing that they say they don't want. It's amazing to me that they can't see that. I don't know. It's, uh, it is, it, it is a puzzle to me that again, that, that the, the, the lack of self-awareness that the very thing that has been screamed about the most during the last term of council about all the mm-hmm. stuff that's going on is exactly what's happening on social media. Yeah. And, and not necessarily with the, there have been, there's one in particular, one moment I saw on social media with a person who's running that I thought, you know what, you're not helping here. This is not just people on the outside. This was a candidate who made a, I thought, a low shot at another candidate. And I thought to myself, wait a second, if the idea is that we're going to have this can- council that treats each other with respect, this twit, this, this twit, this Twitter, this tweet is not going to age well because when you have to, if you have to work with this person, you've already laid the groundwork of how you're going to treat that person. I thought yeah. that was, you know, it, it, it was way out of line, quite honestly. But I I'm always just, find that surprising too in, in leadership campaigns where it's, it's like, you know, fighting at each other, fighting at each other. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, that was, that was just, we are all going to work together now. How how do you forget those comments that were made? Well, that's look, that's been let's loop right back around. When we talk about Andrea Horvath, that was one of the things that was raised in an election debate. Can all the comments that Andrea Horvath made about Doug Ford over the years, would they come back to bite her if she became mayor? Would it affect the city? And that's, you know, that that's a that's an interesting topic. Another one of your co- former colleagues, Donna Skelly, who's now MPP, uh, mm-hmm. I wrote about this and I talked to her. She's a convers- conservative. She says, I didn't agree with almost anything Don or Andrea Horvath said at Queens Park, but I wouldn't take it as a personal thing. I wouldn't treat her badly. I wouldn't hold a grudge personally against her. But, you know, these things, I think it's a, it's an, int- whatever you believe the answer is, it's certainly an interesting question, what you just said. How do you, go at each other tooth and nail, whether it's her and Ford or just two candidates in the municipal election. How do you go at each other and then at the end just go, oh, okay. And maybe it's totally fine. Maybe the candidates, Annette, really do feel that way. Yeah, maybe that is the game of politics. 
And if that's the case, great. But you know what? We're not really talking about them right now. We're talking about the people on social media, the people on the outside. And I don't think they, at the end of the game, just give a hug to the other person and go, okay, that was all just the game. Yeah, the you're anger day lingers. one. And, and you know, let's be friends. <laughs> we can, we that can doesn't, do that. <laughs> do you see that happening? Uh, no, no. There no. are divisions that have been made. And it's, it's, it's like, and, and there are divisions even among people in the community that I know and respect. And I'm like, really? And, and it has changed the respect I have for them. Yeah, I, I would, I would 100% agree with that one. I, uh, th- there are, uh, yes, you're absolutely right. There are people in this community that my opinion of them has dramatically changed by their behavior on social media and around politics. And it's not just that they may share a different political view from me, it's how they share that mm-hmm. political view. Uh, 100%. I agree with you 100%. And Annette, this is, um, this is a weird story that that we learned about today. Uh, at the National Gallery in London, England today, two Just Stop Oil protesters went into the gallery, had jackets on, ripped their jackets off, and promptly threw cans of tomato soup on Vincent van Gogh's sunflowers, painting worth tens of millions of dollars. Uh, now... There's and a lot of things I want to ask. To the wall or tried they to. didn't glue. No, they, that was a previous one. They didn't glue. The, did they? Tr- I, I didn't read that they tried to glue themselves. They just they doused this painting with tomato soup. What I'm trying hard to get here because I don't really understand is what the connection is with Vincent Van Gogh's painting and the oil industry. <laughs> I, I don't see the connection. Why go after his beautiful painting as opposed to throwing tomato soup at like a gas station or something? Well, well, I guess if they thrown <laughs> it at a gas station, we wouldn't be talking about it. Maybe uh, Ben is whispering in my ear that it's oil paint, so maybe maybe it's a a very subtle shot at the oil paint industry. <laughs> oh, he's he's very good at drawing conclusions. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I'm just I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, and, and you know, it's it, this sort of all ties. We've 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 all the things we've been talking about in certain ways tie together, but you know, anger and rage and all these things. Do you, do you think that there are more than a handful of people in the UK and you know, we don't know everyone there, but do you think there are more than a handful of people in the UK who are going to look at this protest and say, you know what you throwing tomato soup on a art treasure has made me rethink my use of fossil fuels, and I'm on board with you now. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. <laughs> if you hadn't done that, I never would have considered the environment. So thank you for this. Like it, it's this to me is I don't even know what to to do with this. I don't know what to do with people who have decided to protest in this way. Now, is it maybe, uh, like, so what happened at the National Gallery in London, is that maybe, like, the most recognizable painting in that area of the gallery? Or, because it looked like, I, I saw the video, and it looked like there's very little, um, you know, it's not like the Mona Lisa, where there's security all over the place, right? And and cameras, I, I mean, obviously, there's there's cameras all over the gallery. But, I don't know, maybe they just targeted that one because, well, and, and, and given the background of, of sunflowers, like tomato soup is really going to show up. Well, so your, your point, and I've never been to the National Gallery, so I can't speak I to whether it's a lot. Uh, in July, protesters with this same group, Just Stop Oil, as you said, glued themselves to John Constable's painting, The Hay Wayne. Uh, they've also glued themselves to other paintings, including Van Gogh's Peach Trees in Blossom, Thompson's Aeolian Harp by J.M.W. Turner, and a copy of Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper. So somehow the connection is that we are going to damage works of art to get England or someone to stop pumping oil. I, I Are you well, able I, to... I can do- kind of see the symbolism, like we're going to damage this, this piece of history because... They think that the um, that the offshore um, oil exploration in the in the North Sea is going to damage Earth. So it's the symbol. All right. Well, that's that's as good an explanation as any. Uh, you, so I mean, good for you for, for pulling that for together. More art tips. 
<laughs> I just I, I look at this and I and again I think for two things. First of all, I, I really believe that um, they are doing the opposite of what they hope to do by this. I, I I think that probably there are way more people that look at this and think what a bunch of spoiled punks. And I will not listen to you whatsoever because I completely disagree with this. I, I, I think they do more damage to their cause than helping their cause, quite honestly. That's the first one. Well, I, you... I am not condoning this at all because, but had it not happened, I wouldn't have known about all the protests, other protests going on right now in, uh, in Britain over this exploration of the North Sea. So it well, did bring it to my attention. And I guess, you know, that's what they want to do, right? It's, a, it's an attention grabber. Well, I, I mean, I, look, I suppose um, on the flip side, so, uh, you know, if I go and throw a can of paint on the parliament buildings because I disagree with something, I mean, you can make the same argument that, well, it brought mm. attention to it. And as I say, I don't condone it at all. No, no, no. And I'm not suggesting that you do for a second. Uh, the other part about this, though, that I look at and I think, you know, I, I don't know what the what the penalties are for these kind of things. But clearly, if we're now up to painting number four or five or six that this been done that this has been done to, clearly the penalties are not severe enough. That that if that if this is such a mild law, that whether, you know, it's time to toughen up these laws, you know, like you want to destroy a work of art in our national galleries. Uh, that's good. Uh, you will then work breaking rocks in the prison until you've paid off at 10 cents an hour, the cost of the painting. I'd be for that. Well, I Let's wonder put if you... the group, so they're from Just Stop Oil. I wonder, maybe they have money for defense. Maybe, but let's make them spend it. If mm. you're, if you're going to ruin a $10 million painting or try to, I would love to see the whoever it is, who, whether it's municipal, provincial, federal, put in laws that say you will pay the cost of that painting. I would be all for that. I just, I, I, maybe I'm old school. I don't know. But I just find this kind of thing entirely, I don't have any tolerance for people who decide they want to destroy something to make a point. I just don't. Things that, especially things that, I don't know if you're an art fan, but things that bring other people joy. I just have no tolerance for someone who says, my cause, we were just talking about it with politics. My cause is just, you don't matter. Thus, I am allowed by my own morality to destroy what you love because I think what I'm doing is more important. Uh, that, that to me is modern selfishness of the highest level to me. But uh, I'm wondering if, if they could argue, hey, you know, this exploration, this, um, this oil and gas recovery, it's damaging the planet that we love. Yeah. I, I mean, it's an argument that, that can be made. Um, I just, as I say, I just, I, I don't know that one damage leads, means that you can damage something else. I don't know that mm -hmm. if, 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 you know, if, if I don't like something you're doing at your work that I can come to your home and set fire to your home because I think that you've damaged something. Therefore I can come and damage something. It, it doesn't, it's, it's not supposed to work like that in society yeah. in a civilized society. It's not supposed to work like that. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. I went into journalism because once upon a time they said, Hey, if you go into journalism, there's no math. They lied. There is math, which, you know, I guess there's nothing that we can escape completely from math, but I tried. Uh, 905-645-3221, star 9900. How many dots are there on a pair of dice? Ben is waiting to hear from you. Uh, I don't know how her math skills are, but I know how her TV skills are. Our guest this evening for the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio Annette Hom from CHCH Morning Live is still with us. Annette, thanks for sticking around. Really appreciate this. Hey, Scott, I'm laughing here because I'm like, I went into journalism too because of my math skills. <laughs> Whenever I do. have to ask, answer a math question, my answer is always purple. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> when I was in journalism school way, way, way back, um, everybody had to, in our first year of journalism, as, an, as a non-elective, as a, what do you call it, a required course, 
yeah. uh, take take first year economics. And Eric Wright was the name of our professor. This man, I think that he must have thought, like, what deity in a former life did I offend that I got stuck having to teach these people economics? Because <laughs> every one of us was there for the same reason I was. Hey, they said there was no math. And yet somehow he got stuck teaching us economics. And one of the great things he figured, he was a very bright man. Um, he was a very bright man. And one of the things he figured quite quickly is, well, you know what? They're not going to get this if I teach it in math theory, because they don't get it. They can't add one plus one, most of these people. So all of his examples were a company that makes wine, cheap wine called Ruby Rouge. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> And as soon as you took it down to any kind of alcoholic beverage, almost everyone in the course went, oh, I get it. I get it. I can relate. <laughs> <coughs> that I understand. Uh, the only thing he missed was he didn't make it beer. But otherwise, yes, it was, um, yeah, he, he, the poor man. I mean, and, and apparently he did this for years. It wasn't on some sort of rotation where every economics professor had to take a turn. He, I don't know what happened that he got stuck with us, but it was... It was horrifying for him. I know it's it hilarious in the newsroom. Whenever we have to deal with something math related, all of us are like, "Okay, I need help with this, right?" And then yeah. we all try to work together. And, okay, like, and it's always like things like percentages or percentages, hundred percent, mind boggling. Percentages, one hundred percent. I can't tell you, especially writing sports a lot. I I will do percentages, and then I will double check it, and triple check it, and quadruple check it, and run it through a percentage finder online just to make sure I've got. Which honestly, Annette, it, it, that shows how stupid I am. There is a percent. There are websites that will help you find a percentage. I will do the math first double and triple check it and then go to that site. I would save a lot of time if I just went to that site. Yeah, first, but you're using your brain. I, I appreciate that. You're using your brain first and then double checking. Yeah, except when I say, hey, he got two out of 400 and I say, that's 42%. It's like, wait a second. No, that's, no, no. Anyway, uh, math, not a strong suit, not a strong suit. Um, speaking of a strong suit, a strong birthday suit, were you, did you happen to see on your own station, the report from, I think it was yesterday of the man in Oakville sprinting yes. down the street without a stitch of clothing on being chased by the police officer. <laughs> yes. Yes. So before the show started, so yeah, it was, it was home police. It was Oakville and, uh, and reporter Emily Taylor, we, she called Halton police and she was trying to keep a very straight face in, in calling them and asking like, okay, why was this guy naked and running down, like running in a live lane of traffic in rush hour <laughs> on Wednesday morning. And so apparently they had gone to, to arrest him for assault and he took all his clothes off and then went running. As one does. And, and but when you think about it, it's pretty smart. Not that I'm going to do it, but there's no clothing to grab onto. Well, there are other things. Well, well, yeah, but, yeah. And, and I was quite impressed with the guy's running skills, I'm telling you. He was, <laughs> I'll, wow. yeah, I've watched, now, for the record, when people watch the uh, the CHCH video, it is pixelated out, so you don't see anything. We pixelate, and we pixelate, we, you know, I, and you can see it on, on, on Twitter, it's on social media, non-pixelated. There wasn't really anything that you could see, but I guess if, if your screen was big enough, you could see it. Well, that's an insult. Poor man. He gets arrested and that's their story. You couldn't He's even run, you know see what? it. It's, it's not an insult. He was running so fast you couldn't see anything. It, it, it was very funny, though, because there was a cop right on his tail and there are tr people in traffic. So a number of years ago, I thought that I had seen the strangest thing in traffic. I actually sent this clip to Annette and I think you used it on TV. I thought I had seen the strangest thing in traffic when we were driving home from the cottage and saw a woman playing the didgeridoo in her car. Oh, yes. Use that one. Yes, playing a didgeridoo, not not not, a not listening. No, well, it was like a half a, but it was diagonal it was from her driver's seat. Yeah, and so <laughs> I thought that was the strangest thing you would see on the road. But this one, this one would take the cake if you were parked in your car or on the road, and all of a sudden here comes Joe Nude running along with a police officer trying to catch him. It was it was people go look it up if you want. It's um it's safe <laughs> with the kids even. The strangest thing I've seen on the road, it, it was uh, a few years ago. I was driving down John Street in Hamilton. I was coming home from work. So it's like 
noon, and and I see this guy crossing the street, and he's holding a fox, and I'm like, what? Like an animal and then fox? It's a taxidermied fox, and <laughs> and the guy was just walking along like with it under his arm, like this was just so matter of fact, and I started howling and the guy crossed like he stepped out in traffic and and you know crossed in front of me and he looked all offended that i was laughing at this you still see the look on his face like how dare you laugh at my beautiful taxidermy fox <laughs> no kidding like this is very normal who doesn't walk downtown Hamilton? Uh, yeah i uh I would think that you probably were not the only one who took a second look, but maybe Annette. Now, on the other hand, there are at times some unusual things that happen in downtown Hamilton. Maybe many of the people who drove by thought, ah, pretty normal, all things considered. It adds to the color of the city. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? It's uh, the only thing. Now, if it had been a live fox, maybe that's where we jump the Rubicon here. We say, okay, now that's unusual that he's har- yeah. carrying a live fox. Uh, well, or if he was walking. going to work the time of day that I do, I see a lot of live fox, but I've never seen a taxidermied one being carried across the street. Yeah, it's, uh, we've seen some things in this city over the years, but you're right. That would be, um, that would be an unusual one. <laughs> uh, let me throw the email up there again. If you have something that you can top, playing the didgeridoo, seeing a man carrying a taxidermied fox, or seeing a man running nude down a live lane of traffic chased by a police officer. If you can top any of those that you've seen in your car, send me an email, Radley, R-A-D-L-E-Y, Radley at 900CHML.com. I would love to hear someone top one of those. And I say that not as a challenge. Well, it is a challenge. I would love it if someone could top that. That would be outstanding. And that there was a really interesting decision by the public school board here in Hamilton this week that they are now talking about in extreme heat conditions. So we know that if there is a blizzard or bad snow, that they will close the schools potentially. But they're now saying in ex- not all of our schools have air conditioning and therefore in high heat conditions, we will at the discretion of the director of education or a designate close certain schools that are too hot. What do you think about the idea of kids staying home because it's just too nice out? Um, this one, I'm, I'm interested in this one because I remember, um, so when I, I went to a very small school at rural area, um, when it got too hot, because we didn't have air conditioning in our school, obviously it was that long ago, um, we would go outside and we would have classes like underneath the shade kind of thing because it was actually cooler outside than it was in the building. So I can kind of see it. But then I I grew up without air conditioning. I never had air conditioning in our house. And it, it wasn't until I moved to Hamilton that I'm like, oh, and then you realize, well, how did I live without it? Yeah. Um, so I, I struggle with this a little bit. Not that I don't, not that I want kids going in to be like barbecued in a class because it's so darn hot in there. I don't want charbroiled children. I just think, especially in the wake of what we've just been through in the last few years with COVID, that finding new ways for kids not to be in school is not the answer. That, that if this was introduced in five years from now, perhaps, I, prob- I think I would probably have a different reaction to this, Annette, but it's the... You'd be a little more accepting of it? Probably because, again, I'm looking at, like, I don't know how many times this might happen or might not happen, mm-hmm. but, but we've got a bunch of kids whose entire school life has been thrown into a blender and is a mess right now. And that's not, I'm not blaming the school boards for this. This is the, they didn't ask for COVID. No. But, but we've had kids who have been home. Some of them have had better systems than others. Some have had parents who've helped them more with school than others. Some of them have excelled in the current situation. Some have fallen behind, but you can't argue that they have received the education they should have. I, I don't think anyone is going to argue that it's been in any way normal. And I think a lot of kids have probably fallen behind a little bit. And I just, at this point, I find it 
somewhat awkward to say we're looking for or we're opening new doors to not having days in class. Because you could, theoretically, you could have an entire week in June or in, even in late May where you get a heat wave and you could be off school for a whole week. I don't think we can afford those kind of things with this this cohort of kids right now. Now, are, are they doing this? Is, is the board looking at this like on a, like, you know, if... Is it like with a winter storm, whereas, you know, if, if one school closes, all the schools close? Or, or no. are they looking at, you know, maybe it's in uh, a school that, that, like you say, doesn't have air conditioning? Or, or I, I don't know, do all schools have, do all classes have windows that open? I don't have kids, so I haven't been in a school no. in ages. So I would say, I don't know the answer. So I can say that not all schools have air conditioning according to this, which is partially why this is being discussed. The new schools obviously do, but not all the older ones do. Um, I don't, I couldn't tell you if all, if all classrooms have windows. However, I can tell you, and I, I've not been in all the classrooms, but I would be willing to bet lots of money and I'm not a betting man. I'd be willing to bet lots of money. They all have plugs. So you could the school fan, board yeah. could buy fans and bring in fans to at least keep it to a yeah. tolerable level, right? I just, again, I, I think in five years, I might say this is a really good idea. Right now, I just, I have a really hard time. And there's one other thing here. In some of these schools, and I don't know which schools don't have air conditioning, is there a guarantee that the kids at their home have air conditioning? Yeah, and that's another thing. So maybe, you know, maybe... Like I, I, I'm thinking in apartments or whatever that don't have air conditioning or homes that don't have air conditioning. Yeah, that's you're in the same situation. You're not helping. You're just changing the venue. Mm-hmm. So interesting uh, I, too with with climate change, right? Because it is it is getting hotter. Well, it, I mean, it, there are times that it's very hot for sure. There are times, and and we've had. I mean, look, I remember going to high school, I, I can remember back in those days and we had some days where it was really warm in class and our school that I went to didn't have any kind of grass around it. We just didn't, it was all paved around. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you said about, well, we, we could go outside and do the classes outside. I, I don't know if when you described that, if you had a grassy area where you could sit or if you just oh, took had, your chairs up. I grew up, you know, I went to school in a rural area, both my public school, my elementary school and, and my high school had beautiful um, like, you know, lots and lots of grass and, and trees and yeah. So, and, and I get you. Yeah. A lot of urban schools don't have shade, don't have grass. You know, I would even say rather than because again, because of COVID, because of what the kids have lost in school, I would even say invest in those, you know, those pop-up shelter tents. They're not really a tent. They're like a pop-up cover that you see at a, you know, someone takes it to a soccer game or whatever. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there's got to be ways that we can not just be sending kids home from school and lose more education time. Mm-hmm. And, and and I understand 100 that it can be uncomfortable in those classrooms when it gets hot. I'm not being. I'm not trying to be. This is not about being unsympathetic, or it's not about saying, "Ah, oh, you kids today are so soft." That's not it. As I say, it's all about how much more time are kids potentially going to lose that have lost already a lot in their education. So are they looking at this happening like this coming spring, summer? Um, Okay, so let me see here. I'm reading the story really fast as we're talking. I'm not clear on that. And, And I'm expecting, don't forget, we have an election coming up that includes school board trustees. Uh, So the new board, when they come in, I, I'm guessing this would be something that would land on their desk. I don't think that the current board would pass such a thing. I'm, I'm, um, and is it public or the separate school board? Public. It's the public school board. Mm-hmm. It's the public school board that are looking at this. Uh, by the way, I just got an email from a teacher. Absolutely not cancel school. Bring in a few fans and continue to learn. Students, okay. your first your you first go. job. Well, here, students, your first job may find you flipping burgers over a hot grill in a hot kitchen mm-hmm. in the summer. Stop babying the next generation. My first 10 years teaching were in a school with no AC. I did well and so did my students in May and June. I, I can't disagree with that. I, I can't either. That, that, you know, and again, I don't want to be the, oh, you soft kids. I, I, I don't want to be that old guy saying that. 
but I just don't know that this is helpful. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the kids will love it. Who wouldn't love this? This is this is better, and this is better than a snow day. A snow day, you go home, but it's cold out, and it's probably well. It's obviously snowy, and it's miserable, and you might be outside for a bit. This is in the beautiful sunshine, a free day. I mean, the kids are going to love this. I don't know that parents will, because that's one more thing. We got to go. That's one more thing. If you're a, no, but if, yeah, but if you're a parent. Here's another time when if you are anticipating your kid being in school and you're at work, what do you do when they suddenly say your kid's not at school today because it's hot and you have to take another day off to look after your kids? It's another inconvenience to parents. I hope they think this one through when the new board comes in. Annette Holm with us this evening from CHCH Morning Live, and there is nobody in the greater Hamilton area, nobody, I will, I will, this is a mountain I will die on. There is nobody in this area who is more of a fan of Walt Disney World than Annette Holm. And Annette, we are now at the time of year when people are beginning to look for winter vacations and thinking about what to do, and yet, I got to tell you, I was online, and on YouTube, where there are all kinds of people who do like daily updates on Walt Disney World and stuff, there is a lot seemingly of people, there are a lot of people who are really sour these days because of the price increases that Disney World has basically become, it seems, only for the crazy, crazy rich. Is that is that true? Have we lost Annette? I think we lost Annette, Ben. We will try to get Annette back. We will, um, it is, uh, there are, go, go online and you can read about this. The There have been price increases after price increases after price increases. And there are people now who are the diehards, much like Annette, and we'll get her back in just a second. There are people much like Annette who are the diehards who are now saying, enough, we can't do this anymore. We can't pay these costs anymore. This is only now... For people, and by the way, don't mind the dogs in the background. I think we've got a guest. Uh, these, This is only now for the people who really have tons of money. Once upon a time, anybody who was wanting to go and take their kids and explore the park and have fun at the Magic Kingdom or the happiest place on earth, whatever you want to call it, it was all good. Now, uh, it, it seems as though things are a little bit different. And as I say, go on Google, type in... Disney price increases, and uh, there are tons of stories. Annette is back with us. Annette, sorry for that. I think we uh, we elbowed you off. Sorry, the it air. is not because I didn't pay my phone bill. <laughs> but we're just my we're talking. Well, you may not have been able to afford your phone bill after your next trip to Disney because uh, what we're hearing is that this is you know as people are getting ready or are looking there? to go on yeah on winter vacations that Disney World has just become incredibly expensive. Is that what you found? Oh, let's try one more time. The technology that we have is working great when it works. Uh, are you there now, Annette? Can we hear I, Annette? Okay, sorry about that. All right, I think there we're we good. Go. There we go. So no, there we have we been go. asking about the idea of all the stories I'm reading as we're talking about people getting ready to try and go away for a winter vacation. All the stories about the incredible price increases and costs now to go to Walt Disney World. You are a huge fan. I don't know how many times you've been. Is this what you're finding now that Disney World has become only for the rich? It is so expensive. We we were talking um, a few weeks ago, like, I, I don't know how families afford it. Like, we can go because we have annual passes and we're not paying for a hotel stay because we're Disney Vacation Club members, so we made, you know, an investment in the 90s kind of thing, and that's that's paid off for us. But I I don't know how anybody affords it. And and there's lots of chat on the on the, uh, what they call the Diz board, so all the Disney information boards about like, yeah, families just can't go anymore. It really, I mean, it does seem uh, I watched something the other day and somebody was talking because there was another price increase and people are saying, you know, the cheapest hotels on site are now almost $200, more than 200 Canadian and park passes are this. And then you've got to buy this extra thing to get in lines and food is like a bottle of water is $5. I, I, what I don't get about this, Annette, and here, like, I'm not a business person. All right. So I don't, 
I don't pretend to, to understand all the nuances of business. I really don't. I'm, I'm a simple man. But so, so you know, if, if they are saying, well, we're making more money for our shareholders, knock yourself out. Good for you. But there do, doesn't there seem to be a point at which, okay, if everyone has gone to Disney because when they were a kid, they went to Disney because their parents took them. And before them, their, those parents took them to Disney. Once you start to make it so that people have not had this in their life along the way, there is going to come a day when people suddenly turn around and go, it doesn't matter to me anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's, it's odd because like as, as high as the prices are going, they're still getting record attendance. And, and I mean, a lot of that, I'm sure, is, is, is revenge travel and pent-up travel and, and people just wanting to go somewhere, so let's go there. But you have to wonder, at what point is the breaking point? Well, yeah, at what point is the breaking point? And as I say, and I still believe this, that um, once people stop going, I don't know that they immediately say, I'm going to go back. If you've put a bad, this is supposed to be the place where you go and you have no concerns. And I know it's always been expensive, but not like this, mm-hmm. where you have no concerns, where you go and you're always happy and there's no thinking about the outside world. Once that's gone, I'm not sure you get that back easy. I'm not sure that they should be so cavalier with this, that people will just always come. Yeah. And I mean, travel everywhere is expensive. So we were... Uh, I, I was away, and, and then I got COVID the, the, the night we got back. But um, So we were in New York for a long weekend in, in New York City. And it was, you know, I haven't been to New York City in probably four or five years, I guess. I was astounded at the prices in New York City. Like, it, it seemed like every meal, like even breakfast, everything cost $50. Like for the team least, combined, yeah. it was like that was the that was the running joke that the bill kept coming in. It's like, oh no, I don't want to look at the bill because it's going to be another fifty bucks, U.S. Yeah, no, I, I, I and like again, it's not just Disney World. Um, you know, we're we're planning a trip to go away in January. Uh, it's not cheap. It's just not. And, you know, to go anywhere that's going to be warm now, and that's what people want. I, I have a feeling that. Uh, things are changing that it becomes harder and harder unless you have a lot of money to be able to do this right now. Yeah. You know, one affordable thing that we did on our trip and, and, and I really, really enjoyed it is we took, so we went on a cruise, we ended up in New York city. We stayed there for a few days and then, and then instead of flying back, we took the train back and, and it was really affordable. And I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that. That is, um, it's been a long time since I took the train. I was just trying to think as I was answering. I think the last time I took a train anywhere was to Quebec City in the middle of winter, which is okay. a lovely train trip until you the doors open and you step out of the train at, in the middle of Quebec City in the middle of winter. And it's like sticking your face in a bucket of dry ice. Like it's so cold. And I was like, okay. Um, it had nothing to do with the train. I just always remember that blast of cold and that makes the makes the whole thing seem different but I mean was it worth doing yeah really worth doing and and I mean it was a it was a milk run train so it was it was an all-day thing but it uh it went right from um uh Penn Station to to Aldershot and it was it was awesome that is that is very very cool uh by the way we're going to take a quick break here but um prices Uh, we were just talking about Disney World to start this because that's you know and that's happy place, even with the prices here. Um, ticket prices have increased per day ticket, one day ticket for one person in American dollars, one day between 179 and $244 now. Wow. To get one day. So you take a family of four, that's a thousand, potentially a thousand dollars a day US for one day in the park. And then you've got to buy this new thing they have called Genie Plus. Which is another. Oh, you don't have to, but well, most people will because they want to. Yeah, most people will because they want to get ahead. Well, that's now gone up, so that's now twenty-five. I think dollar twenty-two dollars a day. There's another hundred, and your food and your hotels and your travel and I'm I I don't know. I, I have I have this bad feeling that in a few years that 
Disney is going to really regret this because the people who are not wealthy, who are not going, are just going to slice it out of their life and mm -hmm. that will be it. And you might be making all the money you want for your shareholders now, but you do want to keep your company relevant. Annette, the, um, I don't know if you ever noticed this, that, it, and I'm sure you do because you work in the media, so you get press releases or you see stories. News there are some very <laughs> weird experiments or studies that seem to get funded these days that I'm not quite sure who's putting the money up for this. Uh, here's one that I'm, I, I think probably we didn't need to do a study or put the money or time into this. Study finds a colonoscopy only works if you have one. So if you want to like make sure that you're healthy and you want to go down that route, a colonoscopy is only helpful to your health if you have a colonoscopy. It's an amazing study, isn't it? That if you don't I, have I one, it doesn't. Saw the story and and the um, the doctor that was that was interviewed for the story was saying, yeah, it's all well and good to you know book the appointment and go with your doctor's advice if you if you need or should have a colonoscopy, but so many people don't do it because they're worried about the prep. Uh-huh. I can understand that. Yeah. But it, it's just a, so I, I find it a... line is, is a little skewed, but, but, but I totally agree with, like, you can have all the good intentions of, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. But if you, if you decide, oh, when you find out, you know, what you have to drink or what you have to take and, and what's being done, um, then, I, I know some people do back out and, and it's so dangerous to back out of that. I shouldn't have never turned back out. I was just going to say, that's a great <laughs> turn of phrase for this particular thing. All right. Don't so on a scale of your colonoscopy, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that one alone before I end up saying Thank something you. I truly regret. We'll flush that one. Boom. Oh, she is on fire as the evening goes on here. All right. So here's the thing. You are the judge. I am going to give you the study. These are all real studies that were done on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being the most idiotic. We really did not need a study on this at all. And zero being, I'd say that's pretty good. I think that was a good piece of a good use of funding for science. Let me tell you some of these and you tell me where this one falls. They did a study to find out how different are apples and oranges really. Okay, not needed. <laughs> so that would be like close to a 10 then as far as the uh, yeah, that's unneeded. Yeah, not needed. Yes. Um, you know, and this became because people said it's like apples and oranges. Someone decided how different really, I mean, they obviously look different. They taste different. They smell different. They feel different. They grow different, different parts and of the I world. I where that term came from. Well, I mean, I guess common fruits that we have, so they're but they're very, very different. Um, yeah. How, okay, someone did a test. I don't even know how you test this. How do shrimp fare? Shrimps or shrimp? How do real shrimp like that you would eat, but when they're live? How do shrimp fare walking on a treadmill? Uh, <laughs> they they decided very this important because we're both like, how would that happen? <laughs> okay, that's they, really important. So that's a one. They got $683,000 of taxpayer funding from the National Science Foundation to find out if shrimp would walk on a treadmill. Wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, scale of zero being and, very and important. This, is this on a treadmill in the water? Yes. Yes. Oh, otherwise now, it's just like walking your dog. I wonder if that's for shrimp farming. Well, or for training shrimp to be Olympians. Olympic shrimp. You don't need to be jumbo shrimp by not working out. That's right. Maybe, maybe all this time jumbo shrimp has been a real insult to the shrimp community. And we, you know, they would rather be known as petite and fit shrimp. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, so scale of zero to 10, zero is really important. 10 is totally stupid. Is it better to smash an empty or a full beer bottle on someone's head? Oh, I'm going to give that a five because if you really, if you're trying to defend yourself and you've got a choice, which one do you go for? Okay. All right. Annette going with the practical thing. If she ever ends up in a bar brawl, if she's at Disney again. world and, and yeah, again, and the bar <laughs> brawl breaks out at the saloon, 
Do I grab an empty or a full beer bottle? Uh, they they found out that an empty beer bottle broke at 40 joules of energy and full ones at 30. So um, either way, they did find that you'll fracture someone's skull. So probably don't use this regardless, but uh, yeah. Uh, I like this one. See, this one, I'm going to preempt your even answer, but I want to hear your answer. This one, I think, is a valuable study. I don't want to be a, a subject in this study. I don't want to participate in this study. How to pee to avoid splashback? <laughs> that's that's an important study for men. Yes, especially. well, and if you're a woman and you're experiencing a lot of splashback, maybe it's not a study you need, but someone explaining how to pee. <laughs> yeah, and it's also yeah. very important for people who clean bathrooms. Yeah, I, see, this one I think has some value. Hey, this has this, some this merit. One, this yeah. study. Yeah. And, and we could do it at our new building, our new CHCH building, because we don't have like men's and women's washrooms. We have gender neutral washrooms. So they're little, um, they're tiny little rooms. Yes. And, and it's like, oh, I walk in sometimes and I'm like, guys, really? <laughs> yeah. Shut the door and uh, walk to the next one. <laughs> It, it it is it is a it is that is a study that I would say I, I think a That's lot of valuable. people would like that study. Okay, here's another one that may have some value: how to walk without spilling your coffee. Oh, we should get Bob Cowan out of retirement and into that one. I heard this rumor about him. Oh, it's not a rumor. It's like it was a fact every day. <laughs> it was like, where's Bob gone? Look at the floor. Oh, there he is. And there he was. <laughs> So I will tell you the res the result of this study. You ready to hear how you don't spill your coffee? If of all the things that Annette and I have talked about on the show today, I'm pretty sure this will be the one people take away in oh, the please, most stupid discussion possible. Don't fill it up too too full. Well, th that would that's that would be obvious. I don't that wasn't even <laughs> in there. That wasn't because what I think they did was they tried a bunch of different ways with the standard set sort of amount of coffee. If you do not want to spill your coffee, walk backwards with it while holding it with claw-like, not through the handle, but hold it from the bottom or the top like a claw and walk backwards. Well, that's kind of tough to do if it's like a, like a porcelain mug and it's hot. I oh. didn't say that I didn't say you could do it. I said they found that the study says that if you hold it claw like and walk backwards. I, I just can you imagine this this study is great until you're walking backwards and bump into someone else who's walking backwards with their coffee and now both Doing of you it. spill it all over yourself. I, I'm telling you, I like I you know, we, we used to tease Bob all the time. I've spilled two. But it's it's like we have this race of of you know, you've got two minutes. And, and you've got to run. And now our, our, our kitchen where our, our coffee is and, and the tea kettle and everything, it's way far away because our, our building is so much bigger. And so now it's like a lot of times it's like I'm getting in my ear, I'm getting the countdown. It's like, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. And I'm like looking what's in my hand and I'm like, I'm, don't spill this, don't spill this. I wish we had time to keep going. I just looked at the clock again and realized how late I am. Annette, we're going to have to hold on the study about what is the deal with navel fluff. Someone studied navel oh. fluff, but we can't get into that one because we are late. Hey, listen, uh, Annette Holm, we bring you on here when we can because you are terrific. Great job today. Really appreciate the time. Thank you as always. Thank you, Scott, for asking me. It was a lot of fun. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.